This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Geekos Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was at that time sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC. It's just amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5. The Game. <laughs> And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler West and Chris with you on this Monday morning. Guys, I just spent the last hour on uh, the Extra Point talking all about the latest in realignment news as since we were last in here on Friday, uh, the entire face of college sports has shifted quite a bit. Yes, a lot. And Tyler, here's the thing. Maybe more coming Definitely a lot of conversation sure. coming. Um, because I think everybody is constantly just looking at what what is next, you know, yeah. especially for the SEC. Um, you know, being down here in the southeast, South Carolina being in the SEC, people are kind of constantly wondering, you know, are they going to look to expand? Um, would they ever let Clemson in? You know, that's, that's yeah, yeah. a constant thing, right? Like, are they ever going to let Clemson in? Was that a possibility? The Big Ten, we know... Is yeah. continuing to look to expand. So fascinating times. The the kind of power concentration. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the power. We talk about the power five often. That's that's obviously the the rich of college athletics. That is now it, consolidating even further. I say, I guess we're now at power four. I, I don't know how you can look at a team with four conference members and say that's still a power conference. So is the SEC going to expand, Chris? I well, tend to think, what Tyler? I, I was going to say it depends if Florida State can raise six hundred and twenty million dollars to get out of the ACC first, right? Is is that what it's dependent on? Maybe not. Maybe not that specifically. That's a lot of money. That that would be one of the <laughs> options that would be on the table. Six hundred million. I guess call a uh, call that Saudi public investment firm and or fund and. See what they can do, I guess, right? It seems like just a matter of time before something like that happens. But I think, here's what I really think about the SEC in terms of expansion. I think they wait. I don't think they add anybody imminently. Well, I think you have to see what the structure of a 16-team conference is going to be like first. And that's what was 
maybe a little surprising about what the Big Ten did adding Oregon and Washington in the last week. They haven't even experienced a 16-team conference yet, which yeah. they would have had next year with Southern Cal and UCLA. They already released the schedule, had the structure of how they were going to do it. Now you got to blow all that up and start from scratch again. Well, if you're the SEC, you can afford to wait. Sure. You know, te- Texas and Oklahoma were kind of outliers. The SEC is not in a position where it's, I don't think they're feeling like Greg Sankey and, and the league office. I don't think they're feeling pressure where they're looking around going, oh my gosh, everybody's adding teams. We're, we're losing ground. They're not. They're not losing ground. They're on very solid footing. And Texas and Oklahoma, like if you can go get a brand, those two brands, especially Texas, like you do that. The SEC is not going to go out and say, let's go grab Cal. You know, like there's, there's no, there's no reason to do it. And I think the Big Ten and the SEC are different, different animals. Both of them, obviously, incredibly powerful. Obviously, the power consolidating even more towards, I would say, those two. Those are those are your big two right now. Sure. Still, like you said, Tyler, probably four in the mix. But those are your big two. I don't. I think the SEC can afford to look around and not necessarily take its pick because there are some programs that are maybe going to be interested, a little bit more interested in another conference and vice versa. The SEC is going to look at certain schools and say that's not as much a fit for us. But um, they can bide their time. They can wait. They can see how the landscape kind of continues to unfold. Well, and, you know, they've, they've already added two teams that we haven't even seen play a game yet as SEC members. So, um, you know, and, and that, it, the weird and interesting thing about that uh, addition or those additions was that it, it kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't one of those things that was long rumored. It was just, hey, these two are joining and it's happening. Uh, you know, this thing has been so weird to follow over the last, I don't know how many years, and that you just hear so many different things thrown out there, but it's not always the actual reality of, of what is going to happen. And it's very difficult to keep up with, you know, the actual ongoings and what what was fact, what was rumor, what was uh, fact at the time, but just ultimately did not work out the, the way it was expected. And, you know, I, I'm... I'm sort of stuck in between this thought of like is, you know, a lot of people think, all right, every, everything has changed in college athletics. If you look back, um, conference realignment has actually been a fairly constant thing in college athletics forever. There are always teams moving in and out of conferences. Uh, the, the thing that's different now is just the overall consolidation and, you know, it's kind of like in what I would call like real life business. Um, y'all ever looked at one of those charts where it breaks down who actually owns everything? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like well, four companies. It's like these minor companies are owned by these, what you thought were really big companies, but then those really big companies are owned by, and it's, li- I mean, it's literally a handful. Right. And so now, you know, in, in time when, Money is a dri- the driving factor, not a driving factor, the driving factor. Um, and in this case, TV contracts being the driving factor, which another layer to that is, is uh, you know, is ESPN, as they're, they're laying people off while simultaneously, um, you know, these platforms are, are signing these massive live streaming or sports live uh, contracts. So... You got a lot of different forces at play here that none of us really know how it's going to play out. But um, I'll circle it back to what y'all said earlier. I mean, 
So was power was power five ever an official term, or is that just what we all sort of agreed upon as being what it was called? Well, I think it really kind of came about when the college football playoff was created, where you viewed because go back to the the BCS where you had. AQs and non-AQ conferences where mm-hmm. essentially the same five conferences that we view as Power 5 now were automatic qualifiers to BCS Bowls. You had the B- you had uh, the Big East when that was still around. That was also an AQ. That ended up falling off when they became the AAC. And I think that was just kind of a way of splitting all the conferences into their own little subsets where it's like, okay, here are the teams really competing for the national championship and here are the teams that are just out there playing football, essentially, because, of course, only one group of five team has made the playoff, that being Cincinnati from the AAC. Now they're in the Big 12, funny enough. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it was ever seen as an official term. And somebody asked on the Firehouse Subs text line earlier, like, would they officially create a Power Four? And I'm like, I don't really think there's going to be a formal announcement like, hey, now we have a Power Four and a group of six. It'll just kind of be reflected in the way like the committee votes, the way the rankings come out and that kind of stuff. You have, and I, I think the Pac-4 at this point in time is going to end up having to merge with the Mountain West to create mm-hmm. some kind of weird combined conference where, okay, if Oregon State wins that conference next year at 10-2 and two, and they're ranked 16th, I, I don't think that gets them into the college football playoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably doesn't. And uh, so I think, yeah, we're going to probably... The the thing about this stuff is the semantics kind of are just carried by what most people want to call it. And so I I think most people will probably gravitate to calling it the Power Four. Um, But you do, like Chris said, you you have that big two. And I I think um, Andy Staples had a a pretty good take on it. And it's, um, you know, both programs themselves like schools from an athletic standpoint and conferences are i mean this is kind of a graphic way to say it but they they've kind of have realized unless you're the sec or the big 10 you're like in a killer be killed uh spot and it's like okay i can either sit back and be the nice guy and not be the aggressor and then watch as my teams leave my conference or I can just be the aggressor and, and try to survive this thing. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people maybe counted the Big 12 out at one point, and you sort of saw, you thought you saw the writing on the wall there, but they have um, kind of fired back here, I guess you would say. Yeah, and I think if you look at the landscape, Florida State obviously is the most notable example of a school and its representatives saying, like like the one was it Drew Weatherford who used to play at Florida State who's yep. now on the board of trustees. I think he was the one that that literally said it's not a matter of of, of if it's when right. we leave. Now is there some posturing? Maybe is that more of his opinion or his desire? Maybe now, now hey they're free to leave in twenty thirty seven. Well that, there's a, there's a lot to this. It's not as simple as you're unhappy you leave. Right? Yeah. I mean. It's kind of like Wes said. Everybody has decisions about how aggressive and how they want to be, and how many problems you want to cause or how you want to fight back. Um, you know, you got to think about if you're another conference looking to poach a school that has a grant of rights in place. There's litigation, yeah, possibilities. Um, there's a lot of money at stake, and so it's not as easy as just, oh, we won't leave. You know, some schools were able to do that and quite easily from what we found out, but that's not the case with like a Florida State. We know, I mean, if you ask people in college athletics, 
and I promise this is not some, you know, if anybody is listening who might be a Clemson fan, oh, you're just taking a shot at Clemson. No. Uh, South Carolina, if they were in the ACC, would probably be doing the same thing. Clemson and Florida State are actively looking around, Mm -hmm. trying to say, okay, what's the deal and where can we land? Whether that's SEC, whether that's Big Ten, what, I don't think anybody's saying, oh, can we go to the, the Tupac or four-pack or whatever it is right now? The Tupac, that's good. Tupac. I put that out it, on Twitter, but now it's, it's like a it's, it's a possibility. Like, yeah. we are not that far away from a Tupac that's, situation. Um, but but you, you raise a good point there, and that, that number that I threw out a few minutes ago of $620 million for Florida State, the exit fee for the ACC is already $120 million. But getting out of that grand rights, you mentioned the litigation, that's estimated around half a billion dollars. So again, you're, you're looking for some private equity to help you raise the funds to just get out of the conference. And then you got to find a landing spot, whether that be the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, whatever it may be. So you got to find the landing spot first to know that, okay, if we get out of this conference, we have a home to go to and then figure out how you're going to pay your way out of it. But if you introduce private equity into this, that's I mean, a whole nother can of worms. It's kind of one of those things that it always sound it sounds good when maybe maybe you're the smaller company and and you get bought out or or you get this um, influx of money, um, and then you're going to hear all the good. Hey, no, nothing's going to change with your job. Nothing's going to change the day to day. There's there's more <laughs> there's more support for you now. Yeah, you know, no, nothing's going to change. It's going to be great. Yeah, we've got we're going to do this extra marketing. We're going to have this extra. Um, Support, um, nothing's going to change with your job. Everything's fine. Well, then two weeks later you get that email. Well, hey, actually, we need you to start doing this. And then we need you to start doing. So what ha- Florida State, in this case, it's athletic department. What happens when the sort of uh, number crunch guy <laughs> is like, hey, well, you know, this softball team that actually is very good, by the way, on the oh, field. Yeah. Hey, this softball team, they're like losing money every year. So the CFO. Yeah, like what what, what happened? <laughs> like if you start introducing that, you're also inter- giving them power to say, well, you need to make this decision and this decision and this decision. And so really, I, I think the big picture take in this whole thing is that Football is just separate from everything else. Yeah. And that's being driven home more and more and more. And um, I don't know how sustainable it is to play these other sports long term, you know, in conferences where the, I mean, the average distance is just insane at this point. Yeah. Auburn is looking around going, what? That sounds totally normal to us. Like having like five different hands in the pot. Can you imagine if private equity dipped into Auburn somehow? Now you've got everything that they have going on. They just call Tim Cook at Apple and be like, hey, we want to get out of this or get into that. Helps out. Think about the Big Ten, though, like to the Clemson point. Think about like if one day the Big Ten were to add Clemson, right? Which I I don't really know that that's very likely in the future. But let's say they did. Now you got Southern. So Southern Cal, some sports team from Southern Cal, is flying into the Greenville airport and then getting on a bus and driving another, what, 
hour. I can't say I've made that direct. I'm from Anderson, but they're driving then. They're busing another hour to go to Clemson's Fields sure. court and going to play. Yeah. Well, I, I looked this up the other day. Eugene, Oregon and Piscataway, New Jersey are 2,800 miles apart. So when Oregon's softball team has to play at Rutgers, literally flying coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all, I mean, at this point, all those schools are so far apart. Now, I, I think you, the, the one thing you may be able to do, these conferences get bigger and bigger and bigger. I think you have to go back, especially in the other sports, to um, doing some smaller divisions and then have to actually, you know, all the divisions aren't based on geography like you'd like to think they are, but they're sure. not always actually are. Um, maybe there's a way to say, all right, let, let's say we're at 20 teams. We're at 24 teams eventually. You just cut it up into smaller divisions and say, all right, every year you're going to play this cluster of teams if you're if you're a baseball or softball, if you're you know a, a sport that doesn't generate the money that that football does, and you sure. have to have more games too, like football, you have the one game per week, obviously. Um, so you're just going to play every year the teams in your division or pod or whatever you're calling it, and then you're just going to kind of rotate a couple of those farther away games every year. Like there may be a way to do that to right. where. Yeah, that team's in your conference, but you're not even playing them as often as what we currently think of conference teams playing each other because the conferences by that point are just going to be so freaking yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out, but uh, it's kind of where we sit right now with all this and uh, realignment, but uh, more things will change going forward. I want to jump uh, into some uh, recruiting talk. Coming up next uh, has had a couple things that did happen over the weekend, some good and some bad. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Y'all remember cheat codes, right, on video games growing up, playing? Yep. Put in a cheat code, makes things a lot easier for you. I've got one for you for lunch today, actually. The guys at Firehouse Subs have, have almost made this thing unfair with this cheat code. Let, if you're listening, let me tell you how to do it. The limited time offering of the pepperoni pizza meatball sub is still available, and it's available on the app, Firehouse Subs app, or online at firehousesubs.com with the Rapid Rescue for just $6 for a medium. That in and of itself is fantastic. But you can also, since it is Monday, what we typically call Meatball Monday, you can get that for $6 for a medium, and you can earn yourself double points on your Firehouse Subs rewards account six dollars for a medium pepperoni pizza meatball sub earn yourself double points by using the rapid rescue to go on firehousesubs.com or the firehouse subs app they also if you don't want the pepperoni for some reason it is meatball monday you can go get the sub of the day 14 participating locations right here in the midlands that is the medium meatball sub and you can get that for 7.99 I recommend going ahead and getting the pepperoni pizza meatball sub. $6 for a medium only on the app, Firehouse Subs app, or online, firehousesubs.com. Also, double points every Monday. That's Firehouse Subs, 14 locations in the Midlands, firehousesubs.com. All right, we'll talk a little bit recruiting coming up next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 
presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head, on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Wes and Chris along with you on this Monday morning. You know, it's never too bad to start looking ahead. Over the weekend, Gamecocks landed a commitment from the 2026 class in quarterback Landon Duckworth, who was on campus for the cookout the other day. 6'3", 187 pounds out of Jackson, Alabama. Dual threat guy with a big arm. And if you've watched any of his highlights from what is his freshman season, as he is a rising sophomore, definitely a lot of raw talent uh, in this guy. Yeah, you, you don't see this that often. You know, even for a quarterback, this is a pretty early commitment. Um, you know, you typically are going to see quarterbacks commit, you know, the spring or summer, even, you know, going into their junior year sometimes. But Landon Duckworth just finishes freshman season. South Carolina, I know we said this last week, Leading up to the announcement, South Carolina doesn't even have a 2025 commitment yet. And that's typical. There's there's nothing wrong with that. They're not behind in 2025 recruiting because they don't have a commitment yet. It's just kind of where the calendar is. But, yeah, they've already landed a 2026 guy. Obviously, um, you know, with, it, with this being a talented quarterback, you know, obviously a premium position, a guy who's in the southeast in Alabama, right in SEC country, right around, you know, the state of Alabama, within the state of Alabama, right around Mississippi, there may come a point where Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban and everybody else goes, oh, we, we also kind of like this guy. Um, and they probably do. So it's early. We'll see how it goes. Could it Could it end up being because of the timeline on this that South Carolina has to do some work in the future to hang on to him? Maybe so. And uh, sometimes that's a good problem to have. But this kid has a lot of talent. Been to USC twice, liked what he saw, wanted to go ahead and pull the trigger. But a really good get because there's a lot of raw talent here. I'm a huge fan of just his um, his potential, I think. I mean, you look at a couple of his runs on film, and uh, you know it looks like a senior out there running away from people, already has a great frame, great size, great height. You know, I uh, I think to get a guy this early, like Chris said, you're you're you kind of got to treat him almost like he's uncommitted, or that he's more of like a lean to you as opposed to being yeah. a, a guy you're just completely banking on signing with you because it's just so early. But you know, in terms of just getting a guy uh, committed, you know, doing a great job building the early relationship and and obviously showing him a lot. Um, you know, great job by the staff, great job by Dow Loggins, the, the whole crew. Um, and, and it kind of lets you maybe turn him loose a little bit and say, hey, start start recruiting some of these 26s and 25s for us as the quarterback and face of, of that 26 class to this point. And so that, that can be helpful as well. And I, I think this is a, a kid. So the 2026 class really isn't even ranked yet. So... I do think just looking at his natural tools alone, uh, you know, throws a very nice ball. He's probably a guy that's going to be, I think, conservatively, I think he is going to be a four-star of some type. We'll see if that's high, low, somewhere in between. But, you know, he he's a guy that I, I think you look at that and, you know, getting someone committed early with that much potential 
and from a state we have talked about Carolina kind of trying to break into. Can they can they bump into Alabama for a couple of guys per class? Can uh you know can they drop into Mississippi for a couple of guys per class and, and kind of use those uh, non traditional recruiting blueprint areas to fill out your class? I think this is a nice case of them doing that, and um, who, who knows how good this kid can be once he gets some some real playing time under his belt. Because as you said, Tyler, I mean his highlights are from his freshman year. He's about to start his sophomore year, so his entire high school career, for the most part, yep, is ahead of him. But uh, the the tools here are very very impressive. Absolutely, we'll have more recruiting talk on the other side of a couple commitments that didn't quite go the Gamecocks way. Talk about that coming up next. You're listening to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. And 107.5 The Game, Tyler, West, and Chris. Talking recruiting, touched on Landon Duckworth making his commitment for the class of 2026 over the weekend. Unfortunately, recruiting does go both ways. The South Carolina did just miss on the commitments of Jonathan Paler out of uh, North Carolina as he opted to go to NC State. And then Jalewis Solomon has opted to go to Auburn. Two guys that we've talked a lot about over these past couple weeks and months as uh, potentials for the Gamecocks. But again, just missing out on those guys. Yeah, two guys they, they obviously wanted. It, it was interesting. They played out, I would say, a little bit differently because Paler, Paler, we thought South Carolina was in a good position for for a while. And, you know, he, he was naming them the public leader. And, Chris, looking back, I, I always did think it was a little bit sort of strange or, or just maybe there's red flags before the red flags even presented themselves. And... That was the number of times he visited NC State. Like like 20, right? Yeah, like he was there all the time. And so, you know, that, that maybe should have been a red flag. But at the time, he was naming South Carolina his, his public leader. And so I, I think you, you look at his recruitment as it came down the stretch. You know, I, I think the writing was on the wall that it was going to be NC State. And then obviously committed to NC State on Friday and then with Jalewis Solomon, this was a much different recruitment. This was kind of, um, I think, luckily for Gamecock fans, like they didn't have the whole couple of months of thinking he was definitely going to end up at South Carolina because it was sort of a back and forth deal for really the final month or so leading up to the commitment. Uh, that rang true right up to the the final moments of the commitment. So I, I do think they they had that sort of disappointment of going into this weekend thinking he was going to end up at South Carolina. And that was, I think, fair to, to think and accurate at the time. And, you know, we posted this on the board on, on Saturday. Auburn made their, their last push. But, you know, Solomon right up to, uh, you know, the final 30 minutes, 15 minutes or so prior to the planned announcement, you know, was telling people, hey, I'm, I'm going to South Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the articles were written, put it like that. Um, everything was ready to go. You know, and, and it. some people may say, well, he must have just been telling people what they wanted to hear. No. 
Yeah. He was telling people that weren't even, that had no care in the world of where he was going, that it was going to be South Carolina. Well, then four o'clock came. The Instagram live doesn't go live. (laughs) Everybody's going, what's, what's going on? And ultimately Auburn did make their additional late push and obviously landed him. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that, that's a, it's no way to like sugarcoat it. Like it's a guy South Carolina wanted and they were right there to get him. I, I think it stings the fans a little bit more sort of picturing what this guy would look like in your defense, knowing he's probably an instant impact guy. And then just kind of waiting. All right. He's, you know, he's going to be a game guy today. And then last minute sort of switcheroo, but um, that that is life. That is uh, current life. It's always been life in the SEC, but that's the the new normal, I, I think, as well. Is you're going to see more and more things like this happen, and um, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see if there's any chance of it shifting again. I think is the thing to kind of keep an eye on because you know Car- Carolina. I feel like for even with the back and forth, there was a very long standing, very strong relationship here um, with Beamer and Torian Gray. Well, and just if you just go back and look at the evidence of how this one played out, it is not hard to imagine sometime at some point in the future, whether that's September, November, December, that we could start hearing, hey, you know, Jalewis Solomon's going to be in Columbia this weekend, or hey, they're, they're making a big push close to signing day. It, it is not hard to imagine that. And I think, Wes, I mean, one reason that we are tracking this one so heavily, there are some commitments that we are, you know, working on our coverage, we're anticipating, we're getting ready to watch it, we're getting ready to literally be at an announcement, and you kind of coast in, like like there's just no indications that something could change. Even with this one, even as you said with the stories being written, there were some different things there, like there's the back and forth nature the past, what was it, I don't know, month or so. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you look at how June played out. South Carolina led early June. FSU led late in June. Then back to South Carolina. Yes, really the last two New, yeah, two, two months. plus months yeah, or yeah. so. So then, then here's Auburn. Boom, here's Auburn. Now it's Auburn in South Carolina. Florida State's kind of out of it. One time the leader, mm-hmm. pretty strong leader. And, and now they're out. And so going into the decision, I think even feeling pretty good about South Carolina and knowing where they stood, you're, you're sitting there going, okay, got to watch this one. Lo and behold, Saturday morning, we wake up, you start hearing some things about Auburn. And, and I really do think it went like this on Saturday morning, Wes. I think it was South Carolina. I think it flipped to Auburn. I think it flipped back to South Carolina about, what, 345 or somewhere in that 3 o'clock hour. And then I think it flipped back to Auburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that literally that is kind of, there was kind of a tick-tock to this of back and forth, back and forth, a seesaw effect. And that's how it goes sometimes, you know, when these schools are making these last-minute pushes. These are hard decisions for guys and their families. There's a lot of different factors at play. And, um, you know, taking all that into account, and I think even with a couple little, little pieces of info I picked up uh, in the aftermath of the announcement, I think it's possible mm-hmm. that we're going to continue to try this one. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, man. I really, I thought, in my experience, generally, when the information is that, okay, it's Team A and Team B. These are the finalists. Yeah. 
a guy's going back and forth between team A and team B, and then something shifts. Oh, well, hey, now it's team A and team C. Generally, the way those things play out is that there's a reason that one team was the constant. Yep. And that ends up being the pick. And so I and, and I'm not saying that's what we were going off of. Like we were going off the information, but in this in this game, <laughs> there you have to take the information and then you kind of have to try to pro- provide context in your head too and you kind of have to use your experience to to point it the right way. Now, when when it when I got the phone call, you know, during the three o'clock hour leading up to that, I I truly thought at that point it was yeah. over because I've yeah. experienced this so many times. You know, there's a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hey, actually, it's over. I mean, we were told he made up his mind. Um, you know, by someone who was talking directly to him. <laughs> he made up his mind. It's South Carolina. And then Again, the the IG live doesn't go live for you know an hour an hour later it does and then it was like boom Auburn and so I, I tended to think for much of the process even with the back and forth like uh, he he wanted like that he wanted to kind of he felt comfortable at South Carolina he felt very comfortable at South Carolina so we'll we'll see if this thing potentially is one to keep an eye on down the down the road Chris and. Yeah, but it's a loss. Good player, um, potentially great player, and a, a guy I think you know, they've got a good DB class. But I think if you, uh, I know fans are probably like, "All right, guys, stop talking about it." But if you could have added him, that would have been a nice addition. Yeah, I mean, because and it it is frustrating, I'm sure, for fans because you've now been in on a couple of really talented DBs that you finished in second place for. You know, you, you've. You've been behind Auburn just barely for Lewis Solomon. You lose out on uh, Malcolm Ziegler to North Carolina. You add those two guys to this class, Wes. That that is one heck of a five man DB class. That you you may even look at that and say we can stand pat with this and be good. Now you're at a point where I, I don't think it's panic time, right? Because you have two safeties you like in David Busey, Kelvin Hunter. You got Braden Lee, who's a four star corner, who you really like. But you do need to add another probably couple guys to this class. And so you start reassessing the board. You know, who who do you still have on it? Can some guys be added? There's some unknowns in there. For instance, can you can you make another run at Jalewis Solomon? One of your targets who's in Georgia, Cam Michael, has made it very clear, and, and this is interesting, Wes. This is despite Georgia, the perceived leader, now making like an even bigger push for Cam Michael. It seems like Georgia wants him to commit early now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting until December. He's also talked about his desire to maybe play wide receiver. Yeah, doesn't he want to play level. receiver now? So. Yeah, but Georgia's still recruiting him as a DB. He seems still open to that. Well, if you're Georgia, though, you can get away with bait and switch. We just do whatever you want. You're Georgia. Well, apparently they can't get him committed early. Yeah, but that, I mean, I feel like they're just like, all right, we'll go commit early. If not, we'll just go get somebody else. Although they or, did, or, or we'll get you in December. Yeah, they did miss on uh, KJ Bolden this week. They did miss on KJ Bolden to FSU. That was actually a fascinating recruitment call to follow down the stretch. 
Yeah, a lot of schools made runs. That, well, that was a battle. Auburn was in the final yep. three or so. Yep. So how how much how much did Auburn kind of um, it? So it was final three publicly, officially, whatever you want to call it. But then behind the scenes, day of it sort of had whittled down to it's going to be Florida State or Georgia. Mm-hmm. So how much did Auburn sort of finding out? Hey. We're not getting KJ Bolden. Maybe affect how much energy they put into Jalua Solomon the resources. Yes, on on the final day, probably. Probably. Yeah, a good I bet. mean that's that's not a stretch to think that um, that is at play here. So you're not you're not recruiting in a vacuum. Yeah, unfortunately, Georgia did pick up a five star back from California over the weekend. So they only have two four stars and a five star running back in the 2023 class bunch of losers. Georgia's gotten pretty good at picking those running backs out of California. They've gotten pretty, you could have left out the last couple words. They've gotten pretty good at picking up running backs, just in general. True. All right, we'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. All right, you've heard me talk about Amy Mason Cup, my friend. Amy Mason Cup, State Farm, she can help you switch and save on her on your insurance, personalized quotes to meet your needs and help you save on any type of insurance policy. Let me tell you a little bit more about her today. She's a South Carolina native and a local agent. I have personal experience working with Amy Mason Cup State Farm and her team. They are really knowledgeable, helpful, really responsive. They helped my family switch and save on our insurance. You can ask her about a few different things. Uh, you can ask her about what type of coverage that you have. Check and see if you're covered properly. Get name brand coverage. Uh, see about bundling your coverage to help you switch and help you save. You can also ask her about another really cool tool, and that is the Drive Safe and Save app. So she can give you personalized quotes on your auto insurance, your home insurance, life, any type of insurance product. She can bundle them for you, and then she can point you to the Drive Safe and Save app, which is an app that you can download. has interactive maps, driving tips, it can help you earn up to 30% savings on your vehicle insurance. She can also help you protect your family with life insurance from State Farm and many, many other things. Any insurance questions, call Amy Mason Cup, State Farm, 803-772-5554. The website, amymasoncup.com. And if you want to go pay her a visit, the office is at 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4 in Columbia. That is just off the i 26 St. Andrews Road exit. Again, switch and save with Amy Mason Cup State Farm. Personalized quotes to meet your needs and help you save with great insurance. 803-772-5554. AmyMasonCup.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we'll wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover. We're coming up next. 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. A couple more minutes to go here. Myself, Wes, and Chris. Uh, you guys are going to be back out at camp once again today, later on this afternoon. When we talked about what we saw on Friday. Anything specifically you're looking out for today? You have left Chris speechless. Oh, no. Well, no. I had a thought, 
But then I was like, man, I don't want to keep saying the same thought, but like people are going to just start turning the, the station. Hopefully not. But I, I was like, I, I want to, is there a different offensive line combination? I feel like I've, I've just gone so we've, far. We've overplayed this. that one. We've overplayed that one. Um, so let's step in and save me because that, that is actually my answer. Offen- no, um, uh, uh, no, so I think looking at this team, is it a storyline yet that our boy – the, the old head at this point, I think we can officially call him that. Tyreek Johnson, who um, yep. committed to the Gamecocks many years ago, has stuck it out. Not a transfer guy. High school guy. He has a special place in my heart because I broke his commitment because he didn't really do Twitter at all. Um, I remember that. So Tyreek was working with the ones opposite Jordan Strong the other week, or this past week, I should say, Friday. So may, maybe that's a storyline to watch. Um, I'll give you a specific on the offensive line to make it a little more interesting. Can Sidney Fugar take that step and hang on at one of these tackle spots? These are all questions we won't answer today by any means, but we'll keep sort of watching it. And, we, you know, which, which freshmen start to make that push? You, you already, I mean... This our second practice we'll be able to watch, but they practice on Saturday. They practiced on Sunday. They will practice this afternoon. So as this week progresses, you are already going to start to hear little tidbits, little things. Hey, this guy is pushing. This freshman is pushing. Sometimes it's exactly who you expect. Sometimes it's wait, that guy's that guy's ahead of where we thought. Um this time last year, we were already on the Nicky Memori train. To give you an idea of the timeline, I don't think we quite knew to pay as much attention to DQ Smith yet. It was after a scrimmage or two, you started hearing that name too. So we're, we're going to start to hear new names. It's going to be fascinating to see what those names are and who maybe starts to push ahead in a battle for, for playing time. I will say this, one final thought. The early reactions on the freshman class in general continue to be incredibly positive just throughout the roster at at most positions you have freshmen that are looking the part and showing at some point they're going to be able to help this team this year and we'll see what happens later on today and uh react to it come up tomorrow morning on the gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs halftime show with jay and terry coming up next 107.5 game